How many feel good to be in the house of the Lord? How many's faith is growing and it's just an encouragement? I just, uh, I love it when we get to, get to come together, you know, in person and, and worship uh, our Heavenly Father. And it's just, uh, it's an amazing time. And I just feel, you know, that God's presence is just, you know, here. And it changes people's lives. God's presence changes people's lives. So anyways, just want to welcome you guys here today. Uh, we're excited. Uh, we have uh, Pastor Michael Yacobelli is going to be ministering the word of the Lord today. I've been teasing him all morning. I kept telling him that I, uh, I forgot to bring my, um, you know, hair dye for him today because uh, he is now a grandfather for the first time. So... Uh, Congratulations, uh, you know, on that, and I will make sure that I stock up on some, some dye for you as you move forward. Anyways, it is all yours, and uh, it's going to be a good word today. Thank you, Pastor Brian. All right. I actually do color right here a little bit. I just do a light tint because it's all white. Everything else I leave alone, but I'm like, now that I'm going to be your grandfather, I might just let it just be all gray and just, you know... So we we're figuring out what we're going to call each other. Um, well, like uh, the, the adults. I mean, the kids are going to call me whatever that she's going to call me, and I'm going to accept it. But I was going to go with granddad. Now, I was telling some 20-year-olds that, and this is probably embarrassing on my part now, but growing up, um, you know, I'm, I'm Italian culture, Italian heritage, so it's no-no and no-na. But on my mom's side, for some reason, we called them grandmummy and granddaddy. Now, I know all the 20-year-olds in down are laughing, are cringing right now from what I'm told. I'm like, why do you got to ruin something so sweet and innocent calling my grandfather granddaddy? So I'm like, I guess I'm not going to go with granddaddy now. And, and I, when I got older, I started calling him granddad. You know, I didn't want to, I mean, I did call him granddaddy even when I met Jen and she still called him that and it wasn't embarrassing. But and, and other than that, I'm just going to go with granddad. I was going to go with like, you know, the godfather, like Don Michael, but I figured I better not do that. <laughs> Kiss my finger all the time, my ring. Um, I do that with my nephews and nieces, but not with my grandchildren. All right. Are you guys ready for the word? Man, come on, somebody. That worship was powerful. The prayer was powerful. I mean, when we come into the presence of the Lord, when we come into it's just this building, this isn't even a church, it's a, a center, but when we get together, the church, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is here. I mean, because of us. Because we are God's children, and we get an opportunity to just, just allow God to just come into our hearts. We get to just kneel at the foot, at the feet of Jesus, and allow God to speak in our lives. And I love coming to church in a large group setting because this is where we just can fellowship. This is where we can worship in song, where we worship in prayer, where we worship in a message. And after the message, I hope and I pray as I do after every message. I love to talk about it. I love to speak about it. I love to ask whoever, whoever I'm with, what did you get out of it? What did God also speak to you that he added even more than what the teacher or the pastor or the preacher was saying? Because this is how we expand the Word of God. When I was in hair or in construction and I would go to shows or conferences or learn things, I would talk continuously on the way home what we just learned so I could carry it back on into whatever I was doing for the rest of my career. Amen, somebody? So this is what we do in church. This is why we come together in a large group setting so that we could bring the light of Jesus and carry it on to a lost and dying world. Can I just get a shout out of an amen to that? All right, so we've, we're on a series today. It's called Salvation Brings. The first week we talked about Salvation Brings Joy, where we talked about salvation is a promise. It's a promise of God. This is our salvation. We've been redeemed. We've been, we've been now saved. We've been picked up that we now have a life of eternity. And so through this promise, salvation brings joy. Joy that is set before us. And we talked about it's just not being happy. And happiness doesn't dictate our joy. Pastor Sherry did a great job in prayer bringing that out even more. The following week, we talked about salvation brings 
compassion. And in this promise, this salvation, that we have salvation and we are set free, of course, it's going to bring compassion for others. Because now that we have a place up in heaven, that we have the Spirit of God in us, what Christ Jesus has done for us, that he revealed, he walked compassion, he showed compassion, he lived compassion, that salvation brings compassion and compassion is action. Compassion is praying for somebody. Compassion is using our finances. Compassion is our hands and feet. Compassion is picking up the phone. That was a great message. Last week we learned about salvation brings freedom. Freedom in this promise that we are free. That through trials and tribulation that no matter what is going on, do not let the enemy tell you that you are not free, but we truly are free, that we do not have to go back to what was. Also, it was talked about we have the keys. Come on, somebody, that was good. We have the keys. You may feel like you're in prison, but you have the keys. And you get to decide the choices you make with God, with the power of God to walk in that freedom. Amen, somebody. So if you're taking notes, if you like to take notes or you just like to write all the Bible verses down, we're going to start in Zechariah 3. I'm going to read from the NIV version. Zechariah 3, we're going to go 1 through 5. Now, before I start, I just want to say, I just want to clarify something with this message. It's nothing new, but I'm hoping that it's going to be a clearer understanding. I'm hoping that it's going to be a good revelation to you or just a confirmation to you. For some of you who are new in Christian faith, this might be all like, wow, wow, wow. But for most of us, you're going to be like, I know that, but I'm hoping there's a stirring inside of us that is going to cause a transformation inside of us. So this transformation and a stirring inside of us will change who we are as we grow and mature in Christ. And this message, if you get anywhere in your mind or in your thoughts that this message, that grace allows you to do whatever you want. That is not what this message is about. It's not even what we believe, but I just want it because what I'm going to be talking about, I don't want you to think like, is he saying that we could do whatever we want and that, and that God's okay with that? That is not what I am saying. This message, though, will challenge us. This message will encourage us, and this message will push us and see and understand how the enemy plays with us, but who God really is. Amen? All right, so Zechariah 3. This in the NIV version says, clean garments for the high priest. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing the, the, the angel said to those who were standing before him, "Take off his filthy clothes." Then he said to Joshua, "See, everybody say see." see. Turn to somebody and say, "Do you see me?" I hope you see them. And this is what God is saying. See. I have taken away your sins, and I will put fine garments on you. God in this moment is saying, I want you to see, I want you to understand what is happening in this moment. You need to see, and you need to understand this, Joshua, because when you see and when you understand this, it is going to change your life. It's going to change how you think about yourself. It's going to change on the decisions that you make. It's going to change all the ways that you would live in this world when you see that I have taken away your sin and that I have put on fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. So this is the prophet. He's seeing a vision of the high priest Joshua. This is a time when, when Israel was in bondage, just coming about to be released, where Joshua now was going to help build the walls of Jerusalem. And as Zechariah is seeing this vision of the high priest of Jerusalem, Joshua is now coming out of filth and garbage and sin. And in verse 1, it talks about that, the, that, that he was standing right in front of God, standing. But catch this, Satan was standing on his right side, standing. 
being firm, being planted, standing there and not moving. As Joshua was standing, being firm in the presence, in the face of God, in the presence of God, at the feet of God, Satan was doing the exact same thing. Standing, being firm, being planted on his foundation at the right hand of Joshua. Now, as the devil, Satan, was standing at the right side of Joshua, Satan was telling him, Joshua, Satan was putting himself in a position of authority and honor. As the Father God put Jesus in the right hand of the Father so that Jesus will now have all authority and honor being on the right hand of the Father, Satan placed himself on the right hand to control and accuse Joshua. Now, as Satan was accusing Joshua, he was blaming him, condemning him, belittling him, labeling him. I got to tell you something here. The devil wasn't lying. He was accusing him, but he was being accurate about it. He wasn't lying. You catch what I'm throwing at you right now? Because he was filthy. It said so right here. God had to change his, his clothes, his, his garments, and put a clean turban over his head. At this moment, whatever the devil was saying to Joshua, he was putting himself in a position of authority and accusing Joshua for all the things that he's done, all the things that he did, how filthy, how dirty, how much of a failure he was, shaming and condemning him. And you know what? He was not lying. But God, in his mercy... In his grace and in his love. I mean, see, brothers and sisters, this chapter, Zechariah 3, is all about God's mercy. He deserved death, but God gave him life. We deserve death, but God has given us life. And we see what God does for Joshua right here. He rebukes the devil, and he says, I have taken him out of this burning fire. Like a burning wick, I have snatched him. I have delivered him. I have set him free. He is no longer a slave to this. He is no longer filthy to me. I have taken him out. He is saved, rescued, delivered somebody. Salvation, today's message, brings change. Change somebody. And when we understand the mercy of God, Oh, somebody got it, has to give God some praise in this house. What he has done for us in his mercy. The devil, Satan was accusing. Joshua, that's true. That's true. And that's true. But God in his mercy, I have snatched you out. I rebuke you, devil. You cannot have the authority on my son any longer. As Joshua was standing firm-footed at the feet of God. And then God puts on some fine garments on him. He says, see, I will take away his filthy clothes and I will put on some fine garments on him. And then he puts on a turban over Joshua. This represents as Joshua as the high priest. This turban represents that God is anointing Joshua. The one who was being accused by Satan. The one who was filthy is not filthy anymore by the mercy of God. Because salvation, God is making a change in Joshua's life. Now he's anointing Joshua. You are called to be the high priest. You are the high priest of the city of Jerusalem. I've called you and I've chosen you, Joshua. And as he put on these fine garments around him, he's calling to Joshua and he's saying to Joshua, you are now pure, holy, righteous, and redeemed, somebody. Now, now you need to catch this. Yeah, let's give God some praise on what he does in this. We need to catch something here. When he puts on these fine garments... This is, this, is, this is awesome. When you break down this word even more, these fine garments, these clothes, these, 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 the, the turban and, the, and the, the, this garment over Joshua. Yes, he is now pure. Yes, he is now holy. Do you remember how filthy he was? He was so filthy. In fact, before I tell you about the fine garments, let me talk to you about this filth. This filth was just not dirt. This filth, when you look up this word filthy and you break it down, it really represents being, having, um, 
the things inside of you being expelled, coming out, excretions, excretions, as if feces. That's disgusting. I almost was like, God, I, I'm not going to preach at that church. But it was in the Hebrew looking it up. So what I'm trying to tell you, somebody, is as Joshua was filthy on the outside, as he felt filthy on the outside, he felt just the same on the inside. He felt like feces. That's the PG version of it because some of you were thinking of another word. I'm going to say in the, the kids' friendly version because there's kids here, he felt like number two. <laughs> but it was from the in to the out. Come on, somebody. Do, do you understand where I'm going with this? This was Joshua. He felt like garbage. And as God was putting on clean garments on him and a turban around his head. He's saying you are now pure and holy, redeemed and righteous from the in, and I want you to walk it out from the in to the out. I want you to know and understand that you are clean. So walk it out in who you are because salvation brings change. And as he dressed him in these fine garments, it's just not pure and holy and righteous. When you really break down this word, he is dressing him, it means, to be equipped, ready to fight. Woo! That's exciting. Not only are we pure, holy, and righteous, but we are dressed to fight our fight of faith. We are dressed to go forward, ready to fight. Fight. Why? Because we now know who we are. We are redeemed. We are holy. We are pure. The joy of the Lord is on us. The joy of the Lord is with us. We are called and we are anointed. And now we are dressed to fight somebody. Woo! Somebody has to give God some praise and to be excited about that right there. Ready to fight. As Isaiah says in 61.10. He has dressed me with the clothes of salvation. I am draped in the robe of righteousness. Woo! As Satan accuses and blames, God is rebuking him and getting us set, ready, prepared, changed for battle. How could we not say salvation does not bring victory in our lives? We are prepared and ready to go forth. This is why David, as he said in Psalms 23, it says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You, God, prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. As Satan was accusing Joshua, as Satan accuses us, as we accuse our own selves, as people accuse us, as enemies accuse us, God has set a table amongst our enemies. God has set a table amongst our trials and tribulations. God has set a table against condemnation and shame. A table, a feast for us. As the enemy is there accusing, I'm looking at the table that God has set before me. That's what I got to look at. That's what I got to understand because I am dressed to fight. I am dressed to go forth. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The joy of the Lord overfills me. As accusations come against me, the table is here. You anoint me. You bless me. You call me. You fill me. The favor of you is with me, and you set the table before me that I am with you, God. Back in the day when you were a guest back then, and I knew this growing up too with my family, if you were a guest, we would do everything for you. You're not getting that out of the fridge. I will get that for you. Oh, no. You want seconds? I'll give you seconds and thirds and fourths and fifths with my family. I'm surprised I am the way I am with how much I would eat constantly. And, and, and that's, what, that's what they would do, just be the hostess with the mostest. And God is saying, you are my guest, but not a guest that goes and leaves, comes and leaves we are a guest continuously, that God treats us like this all the time. I mean, my gosh, if you, have so, if you have a guest come with you and if he stays for more than a month, at the end of the month, you're like, it's in the fridge, warm it up in the microwave. No, God is saying, I am still going to take it out. 
I'm still going to cook it, prepare it, and make it for you because I am with you and you are my guest. You are my child. You are my called and chosen one. I am with you forever. Prepare a table before the, in the midst of the enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A permanent family guest. Woo! No more microwave dinners for me, thank you very much. God is preparing my meal. God is preparing me to fight in this fight of faith. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And David was understanding this when enemies were accusing him and shaming him and blaming him. That he saw himself at the feet of the Lord. That God has dressed him. He has clothed him with his fine garments. That is pure and holy and ready to fight in the midst of the enemies and goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my lives. And I want you to catch this. God's goodness, his kindness, his peace, his favor upon us, his mercy, his steadfast love, his mercy that, he, that we deserve death, but yet he has given us life, is with us, is following us. But I want to make something clear when you really break this down. It is not just pursuing and chasing as a cop chases a robber and can't catch them. This is God always with us, pursuing us, chasing us wherever I'm at. God's just with me. He's not letting me go. In fact, he's holding my hand. He is accompanying us. He's pursuing and chasing us because of his love for us, because of his passion for us, because of his grace and his mercy for us. But it also means that he's accompanying us. He's with us. Oh, hello, goodness. Hello, mercy. You're never going to leave me. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So as the enemy accuses you, God is saying, I rebuke you. Have I not snatched you out of the fire? Woo! Come on, somebody. I'm preaching something today that I hope there's a stirring and an understanding going on. Because do you not see it? This is why he needed Joshua to see this. Because Joshua had a battle on his hands. And he needed Joshua to see. Do you not see it and understand what I'm doing for you? Because salvation, you coming to me, you at my feet, you humbling yourself and surrendering to me. Salvation brings change. From the in to the out. From the in to the out. Salvation brings change. Salvation in Ezekiel 9, this is another vision of another prophet. And this is what he sees. Salvation marks us. We are marked now by God. Pastor Brian mentioned it as the children of Israel were crossing the Red Sea, that God marked them that day. And everywhere in the Bible, if you really just read stories and if you read passages, you could see that God is marking his children. But I'm going to read some verses right now so that you're just not thinking that I'm just making this up. It actually says that he marks us. And Ezekiel now is in this vision. He, he sees this, that he said to him, walk through the streets of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of all who weep and sigh because of the detestable sins being committed to the city. It was Ezekiel. He is seeing that God is calling this guy, this person to mark on their heads the name of the Lord. Mark on their heads the blood over the post where the angel of death will pass on by. Mark on the head that they are my children. Mark on the head that they belong to me, says the Lord. I will show them mercy. This is mercy. They deserved it, but because they belong to me, they will live. Salvation is theirs. Mark on their head. To know that I am their God and they are with me. Revelations 22, 3, 4 in the NIV. If you're writing all these verses down. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. God's name is on our foreheads continuously, brothers and sisters. It's everywhere from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And there are even more verses on this. Can I just say something? And please don't, I'm not here to make it offensive. I'm not here to, to 
prove a point. I'm just here when I was reading this and I was praying on it that it just came to my attention, brothers and sisters, that as we read and as we understand that we are marked by God, that we have the mark of Christ on our forehead, I feel like sometimes, sometimes, maybe not all the time, maybe all the time, I feel like we talk more about the mark of the beast than we do about us being marked by God. I mean, I feel like all I ever hear is the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. And as I was working on this message, I'm like, I can't believe how much you talk about that we are marked by you, God. I can't believe you talk about us so that we could understand and see and understand we belong to you. Because as we focus on the mark of the beast, and, and I don't know about you, but when I gave my heart to the Lord 26 some years ago, and I would hear about When's Christ, when is Jesus coming? And people talking about the mark of the beast. In the 50s, they thought there was the mark of the beast. In the 60s, they thought there was the mark of the beast. In the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 10s. In the 20s, we know they've already said that the mark of the beast here is here. Listen, I'm not saying that there are things warming up to the mark of the beast. But when we focus on the mark of the beast, wow, does it cause disunity in the church. When we focus on the mark of God, woo, that we are one in the Holy Spirit... It brings unity in the church, in the house of the Lord. And let me tell you one more thing, everybody who's listening out there and in here and for myself. When we focus on the mark of God, when we focus on the mark of God and we are one, God will reveal and truly show when it's the mark of the beast. And we will be in one together. It's not going to be, oops, surprise, I tricked you, you fell for it. No. God will not do that to us. My gosh, he's going to truly reveal it to us. And we will know why. Because the mark of God is with us. And unity will be in the house. Oh, I think I'm preaching something today. <laughs> Isaiah 62. Not only does salvation bring change, and through that change we have victory, and through that change we understand that we are marked by God, but salvation causes us to have a new name, a new name. We have a new name now throughout Scripture. We know that God, that Jesus gave new names to people. He changed Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, is now the father of nations to the mother of nations with Sarah. He changed continuously people in the Bible. Uh, Simon to Peter, that you are the rock. I know everybody thinks that he changed Saul's name to Paul. But technically, Saul was his Jewish name and Paul was his Roman name. So Paul just went with Paul. But nonetheless, it revealed that Paul now had a mission for the Gentiles. And continuously, he changes our names. And as we, we go into this promise, this salvation, our names are changed. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 62. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. Don't you just love that? That we are a splendid crown in the hands of God? That he is seeing us as royalty? In fact, in this version, this is in the NLT version, it actually took out a part for some reason, but when you read it in the King James Version, it talks about that we are, uh, we are royalty, we are royally dressed, dress, headdressed royally, meaning that we are royally dressed, that God sees us as a prince. So the lady's a princess. Like, like that God sees us as royalty, and we are in the hands of God. It talks about these hands being branches as we are connected to God. As he is the vine, we are the branch. And we are connected to the one true royal God, the one true king. We have a new name. Our new name is royalty. Our new name is redeemed. Our new name is called and chosen. 
we have a new name. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem, just as the young man commits himself to his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over your bride. Listen, if we miss this. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, when I got married to my lovely wife, Jen, listen, when I make decisions, when we make decisions, I don't just make decisions all for me, myself, and I. I think about my wife. And everything I do, I am always putting her first. That's God with us. He thinks about you. He's const you're constantly on his mind. We are his bride where, yes, whatever he does, he's going to think about you. Henceforth, Jesus on the cross thinking about us. This is our God we serve. And if there's somebody here today, somebody who has not surrendered or called on Jesus and who, who's just lost or feels like you just got everything put together, Without Christ, we truly are lost. And there is a God out there, if somebody can hear my voice, that is thinking about you right now, that he died for you right now because he wants to bring forth his mercy on your life because he wants salvation for you too, somebody. I don't know who that's for, but I'm hoping that if there's some questions, there's some doubts or some things you just want to give up in, that God has you in his hands and you are royalty and you are connected with him and he thinks about you. So whenever the enemy is accusing you and blaming you and shaming you and condemning you and you feel in your, your feelings that God is not with you. I rebuke you, Satan, because I see what God has done in my life. He has set me free. I am the bride to Christ. I am the bride to my Lord and to my King. And God is all about me. All about you. Come on, some of you catching something in here today. This is the Lord that we serve. They will be called the holy people. And this is all the way down to verse 12. I'm skipping a couple of verses in Isaiah. Um, let me just go back. Isaiah 62. They will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as a desirable place and a city no longer forsaken. Woo! We are a desirable place. We are desirable to God. We are a city never to be forsaken. We will never be forsaken. We will never be left alone. He will never leave us. He will never walk away. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He has set a table amongst my enemies. He has snatched me out of the fire. He has put some clean, fine clothes on me. And I am equipped, pure, holy, righteous, redeemed, and set Free. Woo! Salvation brings change. That's what it does. Salvation brings us a new name. Hello, my name is Michael. This is on my name tag. Do you know when I was younger, about grade one, grade two, I hated my name, Michael. That's why I want to be called Michael now, because for the longest time, just call me Mike. And then I realized, you know what? I do like the name Michael. This is my name. And when I understood what Michael meant, like God, Michael the archangel slaying Satan down to the, to the places of hell. Woo, how could I not like my name? Plus then the godfather, his name was Michael. So that was cool too. But, <laughs> but I liked the name. But when, when I was in grade one, grade two, I was in daycare. My mom was single. She'd work a lot. And I'd be in daycare. And when we go to the park, We'd have our name tags of the daycare that we're in, and they would put Michael, and I was learning how to spell Michael, and I always remembered A-E-L, 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 not E-A-L, A-E-L, and I was remembering that, remembering that. I'm playing with a bunch of kids, and this one kid from another daycare, or I don't know if he was just, uh, just someone else just loosely at the park, I don't know, back then kids could roam free anywhere, and parents were never anywhere. Um, <laughs> now I'm just like a helicopter. Right? Um, so, so I have my name tag, and this kid would say, what's your name? I'm like, Michael. He's like, no, that says Michelle. I'm like, it doesn't say Michelle. 
He's like, no, that's Michelle. I'm like, it's A-E-L, it's Michael, and I don't know how to spell Michelle, and he was a little bit older than me. He's like, no, that's Michelle. I'm like, it's not Michelle. And I was like, man, I, like, I don't wanna be called Michelle. That's a girl's name. That is a girl's name, you French. I don't even know why you call Michael Michelle. I'm like, French, they ruin everything. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Easy, just a joke, come on. <laughs> I'm kidding, all the French people like, how do you say, uh, what did he just say in French? I don't even know, anyways. Now I'm gonna start speaking Spanish or Italian here now. All right, so, so, but, and I was like, think to myself, is it Michelle? Is it Michelle? And it was the, the sticker that said, Michael, sticking on me, Michelle was sticking in me now. And I'm thinking to myself, is my name Michelle? Is that what that spells? I don't like this word Michael anymore. And I'd ask my mom, mom, how do you spell Michael? And she'd tell me, I'm like, he said Michelle. And she said, no, but I wouldn't listen to her because surely this kid that was a little bit older than me knew better. And then he kept saying Michelle. And then I see him next week. I'm like, hey, Michelle. I'm like, it's not Michelle. I'm a boy. Michelle's a girl name. Fast forward a couple years later, I, I move out west with my dad from grade three to grade four. And I'm at uh, somebody's house with my, my dad, my brother and myself are there. And a couple, some of his friends, see me and I'm just like really little, grade three, and they look at me and they say, you are very beautiful. Now, that's not a compliment. <laughs> and I was like, as a kid, I'm like, okay, that's weird in my mind. I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay. And she goes, no, you are very beautiful. In fact, you have such beautiful feminine features. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the flashback of Michelle is on me. She's like, your eyelashes and this and, and that, and you would make a beautiful girl. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden, I just lost it. And I'm not losing it like, I'm, don't call me. I was crying, embarrassed, and nothing wrong with being a girl, guys. I'm just girls. I'm just saying, I'm a boy. I was, I was, even, I was a boy, and I'm a man now. And, and, and I just had to clarify that. I don't know why. And, and, and she's saying, you'd be a beautiful girl. And I started crying. And then I thought to myself, Michelle and a girl. And they said, oh, we're sorry. What's the matter? And I said, I am not a girl. My name is Michael. And for some of us, the enemy can label us something that we're not and we believe that we are, and we start walking because it's now in us, and we walk out with feeling like number two, and we walk it out because we feel like this is who we really are when we are actually not that person. My name is Michael, a child of God, redeemed and set free. I am not forsaken. God is with me. I am more than a conqueror. My name means like God and God constantly changes people's names so they could see and understand who they truly are. In fact, if anybody's been into prayer, into our lighthouses these past couple weeks, Vincent, Pastor Brian and Sherry's son, he actually does the confessions of faith now. And I could tell he's nervous. I could tell, you know, sometimes he probably doesn't want to be in there. This is just me pointing it out. Don't force him, though. I mean, don't, but listen to your parents, Vincent. Don't listen to me. Listen to your parents first. They're your parents. Um, but we'll talk later. But he would, he, would, he would read it. And after he's done, he said this, I am Vincent. And he'd laugh, and people would laugh in the groups. And as I was working on this message, and I don't know if Vincent knows what he was doing or understanding this. What he's declaring after the confessions of faith that I am this, I'm named this, I am this and that, I'm more precious than rubies, I'm the head and not the tail, and I am Vincent. Come on, somebody. When we declare that at the end of our declaration, you need to just say your name and say, I am not a detestable city, a forsaken city. I am Shirley. I am David. I am Mike, I just saw, I'm just looking at faces here, and I see a bunch of Mikes, Michaels, great name, right? I am, I am this, and this is who I am. Yeah. Oh. Woo, come on, somebody. Hello, my name is Saved, a child of God, called and chosen. Do you know who's sometimes the worst at labeling people, accusing people, condemning people, shaming people? Come on, guess, the church. 
We are, sometimes we are. And I'm going to prove it right here in this Bible verse. Does anybody, when I first tell you about this disciple's name, say out loud what you think about him. Thomas. The doubting Thomas. Yes. And for everybody who said, I'm not going to say it, you knew the first thing that came to your mind was doubting Thomas. You know that. Now, here's the thing about it. And I might not read any of the verses. I just might paraphrase it because I want to talk about one person who God changed his name and I want to close it off with that person. The church called Thomas doubting Thomas. The disciples never called him doubting Thomas. We learned that in church just to show that Thomas doubted. But can I tell you something else? All the other disciples doubted too. When all the women believed in the resurrection of Jesus, they started running to the disciples, telling them about Jesus being resurrected, all excited. And all the disciples said, we don't believe you. We got to go run and see it for ourselves. Do we call John doubting John? Do we call Peter doubting Peter? Doubting Bartholomew? Doubting Andrew? No, we just call Thomas doubting Thomas. And, and Thomas, as he says this, that he wants to see God, that I'm, I'm not going to believe until I see Jesus' hands and feet. And then Jesus is there in a locked room, and Jesus just appears, which is a whole nother message right there, because that's got to be like, whoa, that's just not normal. The door's locked, the door's closed, we don't want anybody in, and poof, Jesus is right there. That's like awesome just in of itself. And Jesus shows Thomas his hands. See, here's my markings. But now, Thomas, because you saw and you believed, blessed are those who do not see but believe. Jesus wasn't mocking or condemning Thomas. Jesus was revealing to us, New Testament believers, that, that we now would not have not seen the resurrection in, in personally, but we see the resurrection through the witnesses, through, the, through, through, our, through our forefathers, through, through all those who served Christ, through, through history, through science, through biology, through geology of who God is. It just makes reasonable sense of who God is and that he has truly died for us. Now, Thomas, of course, he wanted to see Jesus because he followed Jesus on a personal basis. And so did the other disciples. So in his heart, he believed in God, but he just was like, I, don't, don't be joking with me, guys. Don't be playing with me because I gave my life to Christ and I need to see this. Nothing wrong with that because he continued to serve Christ. He didn't walk away from it. But all we keep calling Thomas is doubting Thomas. We label doubting Thomas. When Thomas was the only one, somebody in the word, when Jesus was alive in, earth, in his earthly ministry and he's going to go see Lazarus to heal him, to bring him back from the dead, all the other disciples said, Jesus, don't go. You know there's people out there to kill you. Thomas is the only one that said, let us go with Jesus and die with Jesus. Do we call him the one who would die with Jesus? No, we call him Doubting Thomas. Good job, church, whoever started that. But do you think Thomas took that? Do you think Thomas accepted that? The accusations, sure he doubted, might be true. But did he take it? Did he stick with it? No. They say that Thomas died for Christ being speared for his faith. Tell me that's somebody that, that doubts. Tell me that's somebody that, that questions who Jesus is, that walks away from Jesus. Thomas the brave is what I would like to call him. In fact, when I'm up in heaven, I'm going to be like Thomas the brave. And I don't know what nickname he'll give me, but I'm sure I'll like it. Because it's in heaven, and everything has to be good, pure, and holy. And you can't say anything mean. It just won't even come out. So, so I want to close up now. We got to close up. Ooh, that one took a little long. We got to close up with, with the one that he changed. His name was Jacob. This, Jacob. Now, Jacob was a deceiver. It says Jacob means deceiver, 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 supplanter. That Jacob, Jacob now deceived everybody to get what he wanted to a point where now he's leaving his father-in-laws, going back to the land that God had promised him since the beginning, to the promised land. I want you to catch that, to the promised land. And, and his father-in-law Laban is now chasing after him. They come to an agreement that you will not cross this line and I will not cross this line. A beautiful representation, brothers and sisters, of that in our walking to our promise, we put a boundary and we do not go back to where we once were. 
and they put a boundary there. So now Jacob is going forward. But now as Jacob is going forward to the promised land, to where God has called them to, to his promise, to salvation, like us, as we walk towards our salvation, always moving forward to salvation, Esau was coming at him. An enemy, his brother, was coming at him because Jacob deceived him. I'm not going to accuse him. It's the truth. So Jacob deceived him. Now Esau's coming at him. Jacob grabs his whole family, and he says, go forth, give Esau this, give Esau that, separate a little bit. And Jacob... Jacob now is praying to God in anguish and afraid, but he knows that God is with them. And God shows up and they start wrestling. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. This is in Genesis 32. This is verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, but Israel, having power with God. God strives, prince of Israel, a prince. Your name is now Israel, for you have struggled. You've battled it out with God and with men, and you have prevailed. This is Jacob at the feet of God. I am not leaving. I'm calling out on your name. I no longer want to be who I once was. And as he was wrestling with God, and God can see this guy has some tenacity. This guy is after my heart. This guy wants change. Salvation is surely coming to this man because I've called him to the promise. As he was wrestling with him, God hits his socket and now he's limping, Jacob. And he's like, bless me. Bless me, God. And God blesses him. So now, I want you to catch this in this verse. It is surely a verse about changing Jacob's name to Israel, to prince of power, prince of God, prince of power with God, and taking away supplanter, deceiver. Do you know what supplanter means? It means someone who deceives, someone who, who is, is, let me just read it. I had it memorized, but I'm just going to read it. Someone or something taking a place of another through force, through scheming, or strategy. That is a subplanter, taking a place of something else or someone. And this is what the enemy does. This is what we do to ourselves. This is what people can do when they accuse us. It takes the place of what God wants to tell you you are, what God wants to speak into your life. It takes the place of who you really are as a child of God. This is why God God said to Joshua, I want you to see this. And no longer do we allow the enemy to subplant, to seize us and take control and stick whatever accusations he's sticking in our heart, in our mind, in our soul. So yes, it is a beautiful name. Uh, it is a beautiful verse about changing our name. But if we miss it, if we miss it, we're going to miss what God did for Jacob. He hit his socket. Now, would you say Jacob's injured? Yes. Would you say he's weak? Would you say he's wounded? Yeah, he's weak and he's wounded. And that this is what God does. As the devil accuses you to bring out your weaknesses to cause it to keep you down and stay filthy and condemned and shame, God reveals your weaknesses to understand that he is the God that causes you to rise above your weaknesses. So as Jacob was limping and weak and wounded, he understood something. I have a weakness. I am weak, but God, you are my strength. So as I walk to my promise, limp, weakness, and all, I will continually call on your name, serve you, because in my weaknesses, I may boast about it, but in my weaknesses, it is your strength, limp and all, that causes me to walk to my promise, somebody. Listen, Jesus died for our wounds. Jesus took our transgressions. Jesus in his humanity was weak. Why? So that through him as we pick up the cross, through him as he defeated sin, as he was wounded for us, we too now, brothers and sisters, salvation brings change, can rise above our weaknesses, can rise above it and understand it is through God's strength that we are changed. It is through salvation. It is through God who now we are snatched out of the fire, who we are equipped and ready for battle. 
battle, who we are marked by God. We have a new name, anointed, pure, holy, and righteous, that we have a name for God. And even though we may be weak in some areas, God is strong. And with our new name, with salvation bringing change, we will fight and go forward. Come on, somebody. Did you get something out of today's message? Give God some praise and some glory. All right, let's close up now. We got some announcements to make. Uh, a couple of them, we got our lighthouses, 710, still at 710, uh, Monday nights. Uh, if you have a lighthouse, you know, uh, talk with people. Try to, you know, there's a lot of people now bringing out lighthouses. We have some cards if you want to join the lighthouse. The ushers are passing them by. Raise your hand, fill it out, and somebody will get in contact with you. It's, it's going on strong. It's getting, it keeps, it's, there's a momentum happening here in these lighthouses. So, so pick up a card or talk to some of the pastors. You can talk to Pastor Brian and Sherry also. Um, also, our tithes and our offerings. If you have a tithe and offering, there's a box back there when you leave. We don't pass around buckets over here. Or you could also bring it, mail it, or drop it off to the part thing on the right, that's address on the right, or e-transfer, send it to info at i9church.com. We will pray on that in just a second. Couple other announcements, I just wanna close up here. Um, I'm excited about April. April is a big month. April is Easter, but we at I-9 got something big happening. I'm very excited about the pastors are very, all of the, pa the pa all us pastors are very excited about it. We are doing a three week we, a three-day weekend for Easter. This is exciting. We are doing Holy Thursday. This is going to be at night. Now, on the website or on things that says 7 o'clock, that is just doors open. But service starts at 8 o'clock p.m. And I'm telling you, we've been praying and I'm believing truly believing there's going to be some surrendering going on, some opening of the hearts going on, some just complete surrender where we are just experiencing and enjoying the goodness and the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you, it can be strong if you just come and if you just allow God to do something within you. That is Thursday night, Holy Thursday, 8 o'clock p.m. on April 14th, whatever that week of Easter is. Then we have Good Friday. Good Friday, Pastor Sherry loves Good Friday. So she's got a great word for us, Good Friday at 10 o'clock. So that's going to be a great message, Pastor Sherry. And I believe you're going to have somebody else with you, a, a guest. We'll just say a guest right now. A guest that's in this house that's not just a guest that comes and goes, but a guest who lives here permanently with us at I-9 Church, not in this building permanently, but with us in our hearts. Anyways, let's keep moving on. Good Friday, 10 o'clock. And then we, of course, got Easter Sunday 10 o'clock service, so dress up, get ready, because it is our Easter Resurrection Week, somebody. All right, so be excited about that. Can you all stand as we pray before we dismiss? Lord, I thank you for our tithe and our offering. We give you the glory and the honor, Lord God. We thank you for salvation, Lord God, that it truly brings change in our lives. And Lord God, today, if somebody is not... not walking in that change through tithes or offerings, Lord God, open up our hearts, Lord God, that nothing controls us any longer, but we are with you. We are marked by you, Lord God. So let the tithes and let the offerings be a blessing to the kingdom of God, Lord God. To you be the glory in that, Lord. And for all here today and all online and all who will listen to this message later, Lord God, salvation, Lord, we thank you for it. We give you glory and honor for it, Lord God. We will walk changed and new and different continually as we pick up our cross daily, Lord God, growing and maturing in you, Lord God. Lord, I just pray for a blessing over us all here today and all listening, Lord God, that we continually just really, really, really give you the glory in all that we do. In your name, Jesus, and all agreed said, God bless you. See you here all next week. Wow, that's a bold claim. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. Um, welcome to the After 9 show. Welcome. Um, we should have a theme song. We do have a theme song. Let's make it up right now. No, we do. It's do 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 Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, hi. If it's Hello. Wednesday and you are just watching us here and you have no idea what we're talking about, Click the link in the description below and check out the service from March 27th. Pastor Michael Iacobelli preached on salvation brings 
change. <laughs> Pause for effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do that, and then come back in here, and, and we'll, you know. It, it'll make more sense what we talk about. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to be very confused. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. But we have. Should we bring him in, or should we talk first and let him wait? I don't know. It, okay, he doesn't want to come in yet. No. You, you can do the intro. You had a good For one. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one? The one. The only. The legend. Dun, 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 Pastor dun, Brian dun, Travail, dun, get in here. The Pastor this Brian one. Travail. Oh, what? man. It doesn't matter. He's, he's, uh. It's, you know, I think last time. Oh, you're, oh, you're, in the, you're always in the middle. Okay, but this is the thing Larry is yeah. always upset about. Larry's. We have to watch. We have to watch because the shadows. I don't want to say he was wringing my neck out earlier, but it was close. Really? He was yelling. Oh, yeah. Oh, we maybe need to give him some compassion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Larry, salvation brings change. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I'm see just him sorry. laughing. <laughs> poor guy. He can't say nothing. Um, hi. Hi. How Good goes? to see you guys. Oh, it's awesome. What an awesome message. Right? What an awesome Full message. service. I really enjoyed it. What was your favorite part? The well, After 9 show? Uh, yeah, the, uh, just being here. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. To try to unpack all that, it, it, it all started right in prayer. Yeah. I think when Pastor Sherry said, um, some of you are walking in the clay and the clay is sticking yeah. to you, but the Israelites walked across dry land. Uh -huh. And I think that just sets the mindset and the tone of this whole message because uh, a lot of us struggle in the areas of change. Yeah. And the change is really based on we don't know the truth. And the truth is we believe accusations that get thrown at us, which is what he was talking about with Joshua, with the filth and the dirt and all the garbage. And we keep reliving the filth and the dirt and the garbage rather than that's all gone. And none of that sticks to us, but in our minds it does. That's right. That's right? Um, how do you feel about change, Josiah? <laughs> how do I feel about change? Yeah, yeah, we really are interested. As far as change goes, it's something that, I don't know, personally I think I've struggled with. It's hard to, once you get comfortable, actually make a difference and be able to identify things that aren't right in your life or maybe things that you know that you need to change. Um, and one of the biggest things for me is, like, a lot of the times I'll, I'll be so prideful that I'll doubt that God can do it because my situation personally is crazy. It's, it's too big. No, no one can change it. Like, God's not just going to change this person's mind and... It's, it's tough to give that up and make the step forward so he can change your life to say, like, it, it, it doesn't matter whether they change their mind or, or not. I have a promise for you, and it's going to happen. Not how you think it's going to happen, but it's, it is going to happen. It's good. Wow. And, you know, um, it just brings me to the story of the parable of the prodigal son. Yes. You know, and he was starving. He was filthy. He was living at the pig pen. Um, and he come to his senses, it said one day when he came to his senses, he said, even my father's servants live better than what I'm living. Yeah. And what he, what he determined in his own mind was he was going to go back and just beg to be a worker with his dad. And that basically he walks in and says, uh, you know, in his mind, he says, I, um, I have forsaken you and I've sinned against you and God. But the father didn't see him like that. Yeah. The father literally ran from a distance when he says, the Bible says when he seen him at a distance, he ran to the son. Now, can you imagine the son? He's already kind of gone through this mental ascension and process. He's starving, he's hungry, he's filthy, he's dirty. And the first thing the father does is run towards him. He's already gotten his mindset that he's got to beg his father to get back into the family. Yeah. And his father's running to him, throws his arms around him, puts the best clothes on him, puts the best sandals on him, puts a signet ring on. But what else does he do? He tells the servants to prepare a feast with the fattened calf. Yeah. Can you imagine somebody that's sitting there starving and all of a sudden there's this huge banquet and Pastor Michael was talking about come and sup with me. God has a banquet for us each and every day yeah. but yet we're running the other way from him a lot of times because of what we believe and sometimes that clay gets stuck to us. For sure. Agreed. You agreed? Okay. <laughs> agreed. He agrees with I thought me. he was going to say something really powerful because you were like yeah, I, I thought he had some great revelation there. Come on, you must have something. To you say. guys expect a lot of me. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, Ra Ra? I don't know. You know what? I I love um, change and like something that I do is if I'm bored with my life or like I just I want things to move faster than they are or whatever. I I'll do something drastic. Like I don't know. People have known me to have different color hair 
or like I'll rearrange my room or I'll paint my room like I I don't know you can ask my poor parents how often I painted my room when I worked at the paint store so it's something that I really like but I think it when it comes down to like the heart issues and like the things that when like like kind of what Josiah was saying when God calls you to those really heavy things to change then I run because it's like no I don't want to be vulnerable no I I don't want to risk everything you know like I don't want to throw myself out there and possibly get hurt because that's not like common but I think that Based on what we were learning today, I know that it's salvation brings change in a, in a different way. But I think it's too, even for the people that have been saved for a long time, are we opening our hearts to the things that maybe we haven't changed or we've been avoiding to change in those areas? Because I think it's like so powerful to be able to learn about God in a new way and trusting him in that sense to say like, God, I know that I struggle in the area of vulnerability. I know that I struggle with letting people in. But like, if you let me, like let God, take over that then i just think it's going to be a you know and, radical thing and, and that in itself is an interesting um thought you know as i was in prayer uh as prayer was going on i really felt the holy spirit say to me so a lot of us are trying to finish the race while we're still in the starting blocks That's really good. and we lose the whole process and we lose the whole progress because we see all the obstacles and all the issues that are going to come up in the middle of the change before we even start the change and we give up before we even get out of the starting That's blocks. Right. Yeah. For as far as that goes, like it's it's the difference between being made anew and yeah. being made perfect. We're yeah. not we aren't made perfect. perfect. That's yeah. right. What we're made is uh, to challenge ourselves constantly, to continue to grow. And that's that's the newness of life that we're promised by God is to to have challenging times and that, to still walk this life that we're given, but we're gonna succeed, we're gonna conquer and we're gonna save people in the process. Yeah which was did totally interesting. Message? No, I did. I had a phone call, a text message, but I want to just share something that, uh, you know, in John 10, uh, verse 25 to 30 in the uh, message Bible, it says, Jesus answered, I told you, but you don't believe. Mm -hmm. Wow. Everything I have done has been authorized, which he talked about authorization yeah. uh, by the father, actions that speak louder than words. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. Wow. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them. They follow me and I give them real and eternal life. Yeah. Now this is what I really think. They are protected from the destroyer for good. Yeah. Wow. Those are powerful words. No one can steal them out of my hand. No one can steal you out of God's hand. You're protected for good. The father who put them under my care is so much greater than the destroyer and the thief. No one could ever get them away from him. And yet, you know, we, you know, he's talking about the mark of the beast and mark of God on us. That is the mark of God on us. That's his promise on us. And yet many of us are so worried about messing it up that we, we can't live the free life. That's right. That's good. I, I think, too, I, I know Pastor Michael kind of talked about a couple uh, controversial points, which I thought was really well done, but how he brought out the whole thing with Doubting Thomas. Yeah. I, that was really, really good. And I've, I've never really thought of that before because it doesn't say doubting Thomas, right? Like it just says Thomas, but who we're doubted, the ones I that think say, said who doubted or he doubted, yeah, yeah. He doesn't, did, not, he, lab not did not label him. It's not That's descriptive now. No, it's just, absolutely. It's just Thomas. He was describing an action, not yeah. an identity, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah anyway so like as far as like the title versus the narrative right yeah yes the the what people will call you and the what people are yeah. saying about you in one blanket statement versus what's actually going on like he might be a porn addict but really he's struggling each and every day to uh continue on in his life and try and overcome it or he's struggling with oh he's a liar but this person has no identity in them in themselves and through god like there's so many different uh, situations where someone could be labeled something so like big grand and evil when really they're just people trying to make it just like each and every one of us and luckily Christ came for each one of us in every situation in every scenario mm -hmm. that's what I was gonna say yeah well put nice. thanks <laughs> I would have but you said it first oh, yeah. Yeah. I was getting corrected so I didn't have time to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah okay what do you have in, in closing the Pastor Brian Travail. What do I have in closing? Mm -hmm. Well, geez, I hadn't thought about that. But uh, I think, you know, go back to the nature and the new nature that we are promised through salvation. And, you know, he paints a picture of uh, the new garment, uh, even with the prodigal son, 
even with Joseph, it was a robe of many colors. It was something unique and set apart. And yet uh, we tend to really doubt the, um, the nature of the new clothes or what they even mean, the meaning of the new clothes. Yeah. And again, I really believe accusations have power because we don't know the truth. If we know the truth, accusations will never stick to us. It's that new garment is like a garment of Teflon that nothing can stick to. That's right. Only righteousness. That's great. That's so good. How's that really for closing? Good. I think that was really well done. <laughs> okay. And okay. I just want to encourage you guys today, like something that we were hearing about, even when Pastor Brian was talking about the mud, um, you know, God just didn't let them walk through uh, the Red Sea, he had dry ground. Yeah. You know, God just doesn't come through for us halfway. He comes Total through provision. all the way. The best. 100%. The best. Yeah. And it's like God doesn't ever settle for bare minimum. Yep. He's always going to do for you. What does it say in Ephesians 3? Exceedingly, abundantly above Love. all you can ask, think, or imagine. So I just want to encourage you with that today. That's well put. That God is not a small God and he cares about the small things in your heart and the little things maybe you haven't been able to verbalize or that you've been praying about for years and years. He sees those things and they're big to him. So just hold on to that and that he's going to make a dry path through the Red Sea or, you know, hypothetically. <laughs> I think that's, that's awesome. Is that so right? get out there, activate that change, yeah. trust in God and trust in the process. It will, it will happen. So speak it forth. And um, even through this fast that we're currently going through, keep believing for it. It's going to happen. Change is going to come. Yeah. Uh, you will not be held down by chains any longer. You are set free. And, and uh, you know, tomorrow night's the lighthouse too, which is a good oh, time yes. to activate another level of faith. Seven ten. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times we don't understand uh, we can't activate faith if we don't know truth. That's right. Right. And uh, when we're praying, we're actually declaring the truth over circumstances, and that's going to actually that's really empower good. us to succeed. Yeah. That's right. Anything? Are you are you all are you happy? I'm good. Are you satisfied? <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Great. Yeah. So we have a lighthouse tomorrow at seven ten. We have youth for juniors this Friday. Right. So if you have a youth or you are a youth, please come. And seniors are allowed to come to the juniors as well. Oh, so right. all youth. For real? Uh, yeah. Look at that. Does that mean I can go? I'm a senior. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, whatever. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll welcome you to open arms. <laughs> but you will be playing dodgeball. What a change. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that sounds like fun, dodgeball. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, we hope you have the best Sunday ever. We will be seeing you tomorrow at 710 at the Lighthouse. In closing, I am Sarah. We've got the Pastor Brian Travail and Josiah Workman. You have a, the best day of your life. Adios.